So let's begin reading in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1. And he made, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we have once conducted, we have, I'm sorry, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father in heaven, we ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds and bring light, bring revelation to us, reveal Christ to us in a way, in a measure that will change us and transform us, set us free and deliver us from the bondage of our minds, from the bondage of our flesh, from the bondage of fear. Lord, in your love, in your grace, in your mercy and in your peace, set us free. And show to us your glory in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 2, and we've come now to this place where Paul is telling the saints, he's declaring to the saints what has happened to them. Remember in chapter 1, he tells them how it happened. God chose them in him before the foundation of the world. So he, he's telling them not only how it happened, but when it happened and what was the beginning of it. The beginning of it was God. Now we come to chapter 2, and we see that Paul is writing, and he's telling the saints, he's telling us through this letter what has happened. And you he made alive who were dead in trespass and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's that's who we were. We were dead, but God made us alive. We were dead in trespass and sin, but God made us alive and he raised us up. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom... Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, 
No human being is immune to the curse. No human being is born immune to the nature of sin and death. People aren't born with varying degrees of goodness. The Bible is very clear. We are born all with the same need. We are all born in need of a Savior. We are all born with the same problem. We are all born in sin and in death. And that is the condition. Paul says you are by nature children of wrath. So as much as I love my little grandbabies, and I got seven grandbabies, and look at those two little babies, mama holding one and daddy holding one. They're just precious. But I'm going to tell you what, those babies in their birth are born by nature children of wrath. And until God causes them to be born again, that is their nature, as cute and as cuddly and as lovable as they are, Church, you need to understand that we're not acceptable to God because we're cute and cuddly and lovable, regardless of how small or how large, how young or how old we are. This is what Paul is teaching us here. And he's teaching us this so that we will all understand that we're all born in the same place. We're all starting the race if I can say it this way, from the same starting point. And until God causes us to go from being children of wrath, children of disobedience, who are by nature children of wrath, until He causes us to go from that to be born again children of God, who now no longer have the nature of wrath, but we have the nature of righteousness given to us, how? By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace comes from God. Peace comes from God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the gift that God gives to those whom he chooses to cause to be born again. I don't think it's any accident that anyone is in this building today hearing this gospel message. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe anybody just wandered in here. I believe God divinely appointed each of us because God has given us mouths to speak with. He's given us ears to hear with. Jesus said this, he said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I'm not just talking about you hearing the sound waves coming from my vocal cords. I'm talking about, do you hear the gospel message? That none of us can look at somebody else and say, they're worse than me, or I'm better than them. That this is what the Bible is saying, that we are all born with a need. We all need a Savior. We all deserve God's wrath. But God will not in His grace and in His mercy give to all what all deserve. And so Paul goes on and he says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh. Paul uses this inclusive we all to indicate that this is the condition of 
us all, of all humanity, that we are in death before we are made alive by God. And while we were in death, we conducted ourselves. We walked according to that nature. We lived fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Not a renewed mind, but an unrenewed mind. Remember when we use the example of Noah, and this is why God did what he did with Noah? God knew that in destroying the earth with the flood that God wasn't going to eradicate sin from the earth. God knew that because we just read it in our children's story last week. Because sin wasn't just in the soil, sin's in our hearts. And when God saved Noah and his family, God put sinful men and women on that ark and he saved them. And when they came off the ark, they carried the sin that's in their heart into the earth. And guess what? Is humanity multiplied sinfulness multiplied because sin is what's in us and until God changes us from the inside out this is our problem but when Noah came off the ark remember he had the memory of what 600 years on one earth but now he's walking in a new earth and he has to renew his mind to the new when you're born again you've got to renew your mind to a new creation you have your old mind but now in Christ you need to renew your mind to that mind of Christ that is in you now by the grace of God and so Paul is writing here to these believers and he's saying we all once conducted ourselves this way we were all by nature children of wrath just as the others it doesn't matter if you're a jew or a gentile a male or a female a slave or free rich or poor this is our nature we are by nature children of wrath sin is an equal opportunity doesn't discriminate it provides death and destruction equally across the board So we were by nature children of wrath. Apart from our resurrection from the dead and new birth in Christ, we are by nature just as the others. Just like all the other people. Just like all the other children born on earth until we are born again. So you see in this verse that Paul indicates the root of the problem is that by nature we are children of wrath. Until our nature is made new by a new birth in the Spirit in Christ, we are just as the others. We are dead in trespass and sin, and we are by nature children of wrath. Now, much of what is called gospel preaching today really is not gospel preaching. It is preaching that's trying to get people to modify their behavior to become more acceptable to themselves, more acceptable to others, more acceptable to society, more acceptable to the church, more acceptable to... We can go in many places today, we can read many books today that have gospel labels or... And they're really self-help motivation. They're strategies, they're principles, they're laws you can live by. If you just practice these things, you'll become a better person. You'll become a happier person. You'll become a more successful person. 
and what we're really doing, what we're calling the gospel really is just self-help motivation. Listen, you can't help yourself. The help you need, the help that I need can only come from God. It has to begin with God. You can make your flesh well behaved just like I can teach my dog people tricks. But my dog's ability to perform people tricks does not make my dog a people. You get, you following me? My dog can be very well behaved, but my dog is still a dog. Your flesh can be very well behaved. Your flesh can become very moralistic, but your flesh is still flesh and it's still sinful. You can make your flesh well behaved, but you cannot make your flesh spiritual. You can modify your behavior in the flesh, but you cannot change your nature by the deeds of the flesh. And this is why Paul is writing what he's writing. This is why he says, by nature, we were children of wrath. We were sons. We were all once sons of, children of disobedience. He's saying that because what he's declaring is that in your birth, in your first birth, this is who you were. Jesus gives us the answer. He said it to Nicodemus in John 3, 3. We talked about it today in our Sunday school class. Unless a man is born again, truly, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom, much less enter it and walk in it. You can modify your behavior, but you can't change your nature. Your first birth was not a product of your own behavior. You are who you are by nature according to your birth. Your new birth is not a product of your own behavior. You are born again by the Spirit of God, in the grace of God, by the power of God, and not of yourself. That means all the glory goes to who? It goes to God. All the thanks goes to who? Part to me and part to God. No, it all goes to God. Because I didn't save myself. I didn't change myself. I didn't transform myself. But now once I have been changed, once I have been transformed, once I have become a new creation, once I have been taken out of darkness and put into light, once I have been raised from the dead and brought to life, what does God command me to do? If you are light in the Lord, do what? Walk as children of light, Ephesians 5.8. You once were darkness, but now, now you are light in the Lord. How? By the grace of God, by the power of God. Now walk as children of light. Now I can do what I could not do before. I couldn't walk as a child of light before. Why? Because I was darkness. Do you know darkness cannot be light? That's what the Bible says. How did, how did light come from the darkness to begin with? Go back to Genesis. There was darkness. There was no light until who said what? Until God said, let there be light. And then something magic happened. 
something supernatural happened. Light became by the command of God. Darkness wasn't sitting there going, you know, I'm just really tired of being darkness. I think I'm going to try being light for a while. No, that's not how it happened. God said, let there be light. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, and Paul says this, the same God who spoke light in the creation is the same God who caused a light to shine in the darkness of your heart to give to you light so that you could see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul said, just like in the first creation, God said, let there be light. In the new creation, God said, let there be light. And he caused the light to erupt in your heart. And from that light, now you can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Your first father, Adam, sinned, so all are born in sin after Adam. Isaiah 43, 27 records that. In Adam, all mankind is born into sin. We are by nature children of wrath until we are born again. 1 Corinthians 15.22, Paul writes, For as, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. There's only two kinds of people on earth, those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. How did you, how did I come to be in Christ? Who put me there? God did. God put you there. And in Christ, Paul says, all shall be made alive. In Christ, all shall be made alive. That's the question. How do I come to be in Christ? For only in Christ shall we be made alive. Born outside of Christ, we are bound by sin and death regardless of our behavior. We are by nature children of wrath until we are born again. Listen to these words recorded for us in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many, this is exactly was our lesson today in Sunday school. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 3, 3, the words of Jesus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on in verses 6 through 8 of John chapter 3. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Until we are born again, until God makes us alive from the dead, we are all the same. Before a new birth, all are bound in sin and death. We are all by nature children of wrath, just as the others. 
But here's the good news, church. When we were born again, when we are born again by the will and the power of God, we are given a new nature, a new life in the Spirit, and we become children of God. What I could not do before, I am now empowered to do. I could not walk free from sin before, regardless of how moral my lifestyle might have been. But now in Christ, as a new creation, I have been delivered from the power of sin and death, not by my own strength, not by my own efforts, not by the deeds of my flesh or the deeds of the law, but I have been delivered by the grace of God, by the power of God, because God has taken me from death to life. He took me from one birth and he gave me a new birth. And in that new birth, he gives to us a new life and a new nature, his righteousness given to us in his grace look at verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us God but God who is rich in mercy that but God right there tells us that as Paul is writing and proclaiming these things he's showing us where we're headed. We are headed headlong into death and destruction. But God, who is rich in mercy, who can keep us from death and destruction? Who can deliver us from death and destruction that's inevitable? Can you deliver yourself? Can I deliver myself? The answer is no, you cannot, and no, I cannot. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Why is God? Why why would God save us? It doesn't say, but God who saw that we had some good in us, but God who saw that we would do great things one day, but God who saw that I was going to, that you were going to develop this or invent that. And God says, well, I better save that one because I'm going to need them for my plan. No. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, not because of your goodness, not because of what your potential would be as a human being, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He has made us alive. He has transformed our nature and given to us His righteousness. But God, we were dead in trespass and sin. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but God but for God we would still be dead in our sin we would still be children of wrath by nature but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us God had mercy on us when we did not deserve mercy God gave grace to us when we did not deserve His grace. 
because he loved us with so great a love. His mercy and love are two divine attributes that are the beginning of our salvation. The glory of God will highlight the mercy of God and the love of God that he has extended toward us in his grace in Christ. He gave to us his grace that we did not deserve in Christ. And Christ took, listen, Christ took in himself for his people the wrath of God that he did not deserve. God gave us grace that we did not deserve and Christ took God's wrath that he did not deserve. This is why the Bible says what we are to do what we should begin to understand and what should begin to flow from our hearts is this continual offering of praise, a sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips, continually proclaiming our thanksgiving to God because of what God has done for us. That God saved us when we didn't deserve to be saved. And he gave to his son the wrath that his son did not deserve so that we could be saved. Does that make you thankful? Does that make you thankful? Does it make you want to honor God with your life? Or the fact that, that Jesus took your wrath, does that make you want to run out and just live a sinful life? No, if you understand the grace of God, the grace of God should, should create in us an overflowing sense of thanksgiving. And the more you grow in the grace and the knowledge of God, the more that sense of thanksgiving is going to come forth. Because you're going to understand that that love and that mercy came from the great love with which God loved us. It came from Him, from within Himself. And He poured it out on us. In his great mercy and love, he has given to us his saving grace in Christ. Therefore, let us joyfully offer up the sacrifice of praise to him continually from the fruit of our lips and the fruit of our lives, giving thanks to him, to his name. That's Hebrews chapter 3, 13, verse 15. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us continually offer up to him from the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, the sacrifice of praise. For he alone is worthy of all glory, of all honor, and all praise. Verse 5. So let's read verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass. When did God love us? Even when we were dead in trespass and sin. Do you notice it doesn't say that God loved us when we got our act together? It doesn't say that God loved us when we started loving Him? It doesn't say God loved us when we became more lovable? It says God loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. And while we were dead, He made us alive. Paul is stressing that we were dead, we were in sin, we were utterly and completely hopeless and helpless. 
We were not sick men crying out for salvation. We were dead men. We were dead in our sin and did not know or care about the condition of our dead hearts until God made us alive. Thus, the parenthesis to provide emphasis, by grace you have been saved. When we were dead in trespass, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Paul put that parenthesis in there to bring emphasis. That everything he just wrote in this letter, everything he just revealed to us, he said, I want to stress again, church, this came by God's grace. Salvation is of the Lord. No one has the right to say, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. No one has the right to say, I got a leg up on them because I, I'm just a better person. Well, you know, us Americans, we're much more savable because we're Americans. I feel really sorry for those people in other parts of the world who worship all these false gods and who don't know any better. As if we did know better? As if we were better? Because we were born under one flag and someone was born under another flag? Well, I know I'm saved because I was raised in the church. And my grandfather, he was a deacon. Really? No. We're all born on equal ground. We're all born in need of a Savior. Until we're born again. By grace, you have been saved. I'm going to stop right there. And we're going to pick up on verse 6 next week. I'm going to read to you just a little thought I wrote down about the grace of God. Grace is not something we walk in and out of. You understand this, church? Grace is not something you walk in and out of. You walk in grace all the time. Grace is what we walk in constantly because we are constantly engulfed by His grace in Christ. I'm talking to you as believers. If you are a child of God, if you've been born again, if you have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, if you are trusting in Jesus, not because you're perfect, but because you know you are imperfect, because you know that apart from Him you have no hope, I want you to understand that grace is not something you move in and out of. Grace doesn't come to your life and then leave your life. No, grace is a constant. You are engulfed by His grace in Christ. In Christ, I cannot escape or walk out from under His grace. Grace is not dependent upon circumstances. It is not determined by how we feel. God's grace is given to us in Christ and His grace surrounds us, abides in us, and upon us and fills us in Christ. Peter and James both write that God gives grace to the humble. James write that he, he writes this, that God gives more grace. It is a picture of continuing 
abounding grace being poured upon those who walk humbly before God. Who are those who walk humbly before God? It is those who profess their trust in God. It is those who recognize their need for God, who are not ashamed to say, I am dependent upon God. Here we are in America. We celebrate our independence every year. Here we are in the state of Texas, and we're even more independent than most Americans, and we take great pride in our independence. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, thank you. Go ahead and try that, by the way. To walk humbly before God is to understand that I am utterly and completely dependent upon Him, and I am not ashamed of that fact. In His grace, it is His grace that lifts us up as our life lifts up His name. Walk humbly. Humble yourself before God and the Bible says He will lift you up. As your life is lifting Him up, guess what? He will lift you up. John the Baptist declared, I must decrease that He may increase. And our call is not different. As we live for his increase, God pours out a continuous abundance of grace that sustains us and carries us in this life for his glory. In his grace, let patience have its perfect work. James writes those words about letting patience have its complete work in us in his letter. Grace and peace are not from us, but from God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the gift of God, and peace is the fruit of his life that abides in us by his gift of grace. Do you get that, church? Grace, the word grace, it's, it's, it speaks of a gift. Charis, it's a gift. Gifts of grace. Grace is a gift. Peace is the fruit of that life that's been given to us as a gift. Grace and peace come from God. We often try to give ourselves grace and peace through the illusion that we can order our lives in such a way that we feel as though we have His grace and peace. But with God's provision of grace and fruit of peace, that he provides for us in Christ. I'm sorry. But true grace and true peace have nothing to do with your circumstances and ultimately your feelings. You might not feel as though there's much grace in your life, but you you could not stand for one second if there was no grace in your life. God stands you up in his grace. God carries you in his grace. God sustains you in his grace. If grace was only dependent upon how we feel and how we're able to order our lives, do you you really want God's grace to be based on those things? No, you don't. Grace is constant because Christ is constant. Grace doesn't dissipate because God doesn't dissipate. Because the promise of God to his children is not withheld. It's not conditional. It's given to us in Christ. 
The promise is not based on your performance. The promise is based on Christ. That's why you can trust in his grace. That's why you can lean upon his grace. That's why you can know for sure, regardless of what's happening, you are in his grace. And in his grace, he wants you to have peace, which is the fruit of the life that he has by grace put within you. So true grace and true peace don't have anything to do really with our circumstances or our feelings, but with God's provision of grace and the fruit of peace that he provides for us in Christ in all things. This is why Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 5 verse 20 to give thanks for all things. Give thanks for all things. For in all things his grace abides for those who abide in him. Are you hearing me, church? Give thanks for all things. How is that possible? It's possible for in all things, His grace abides for those who abide in Him. Are you abiding in Christ? Are you trusting in Christ? The grace and peace you walk in is not dependent upon the people or the things around you, but the God who dwells in you and you in him.